tree hugger. What's the first thing you thought when I said that? Be careful and be honest because whatever you thought says more about you than the person hugging the tree. We're about to meet a tree hugger. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. I think we're on episode 16 of the Chuck Williams Show. Haven't been canceled yet. We'll, we're, we're still trying. I don't think tonight will get me canceled. We got a special guest tonight. We got Dorothy McDaniel. Dorothy is the executive director of Trees Columbus Inc., a nonprofit organization dedicated to tree advocacy in our community. And she does the job very, very well. Dorothy, welcome. Thank you, Chuck. I certainly hope I'm not the one that gets you canceled. I hope you're not either. Well, <laughs> let's see. Who have I had that should have? I had they should have already gotten you canceled. Sam Andres should have been the one that got okay. me canceled. Okay, you're good. You're good. We're we're All good. Right. The architect should have gotten me canceled. No, I mean, but I want to start a little bit with how I opened this. Um, tree hugger has a negative connotation to it sometimes, and you know, it, it's funny. About five or six years ago. Eufaula was, con the Alabama Department of Transportation was going to widen 431 into downtown Eufaula and take North Eufaula Avenue. And they were going to lose some of those trees, or at least thought they were. And at that point, when that started happening, and a dear friend of both of ours is Milton Jones. And Milton and I were talking, Milton's a retired attorney here in town who has been on your board, has he not? Or he's been a, a supporter of your organization. He was one of the founders. A founder, yeah. okay. Milton and I were talking, and, you know, I was telling him how serious I thought it was. And fi finally looked at me, he goes, boy, you're a tree hugger. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. It took, But it took the emotional possibility and link to those trees that I'd grown up around my whole life, those beautiful oaks, and the possibility of some of them being gone to make me a tree hugger. When you hear tree hugger, what do you think? Uh, I'm still laughing about Milton because you know from him that is um, that's a benediction. I mean that that's not an insult from him. That is the highest praise. Um, he was Milton was one of the founders of Trees Columbus along with um, Kyle Spencer, and um, you know Columbus tends to do things a little differently, and uh, a lot of the that's not a newsflash by the way. No 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 as y'all know. <laughs> And uh, we even are, we even hug trees a little differently. Um, so this kind of tree hugger organization of Trees Columbus was actually founded by local business people. So, you know, in a lot of places, you might have um, your tree organization that was founded by the garden club or, you know, the, the young environmentalists. environmentalists in Birkenstocks. And, and I do, I am actually wearing my Birkenstocks tonight, but not because of this podcast. Um, but here in Columbus, the founding of Trees Columbus was as much about uh, economic development as it was about um, environmental health too, because these are business people who recognized you got to have a city where it looks like people care about our town, right? We have gateways. We've got this beautiful tree canopy. We've got to take care of it. Um, and so the the tree hugging here was uh, it's just a little different. It was a little different. And that relationship with the city um, has kind of carried through to today. I mean, you look in the 
the commitment to trees and green spaces everywhere. It's at Lake Bottom Park. Once you turn off of 85 and head on 185 on what I call the world's longest cul-de-sac, uh, you, as you come down 185, you don't see the visual pollution and yeah. that may, I mean, that's not a political statement. You don't see the billboards and other things. You see trees, trees and more trees coming down through Troop, Harris and into Muscogee County. That's part of it, right? That was part of it. That was um, John Flournoy, Sam Welburn. Um, these were all people who were thinking um, about the the first appearance that um, people, the first impression that people get from our community. Whether you're coming in from the airport or whether you're driving down 185, they wanted to have a distinct impression that Columbus was a place people cared about. And we care about what it looks like, and we take care of it. And trees are important to what it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what what brought you to to this organization and to to your work as a tree advocate? That is a great question, Chuck. You know, um, my background—I actually studied art history. And um, then I went, I went to graduate school. So, you know, art history, my dad called it pre-unemployment. And uh, much as I loved it, he was right. So I went back to grad school and I studied environmental design. And that just got me thinking about the undergraduate. Virginia. Undergraduate was University of Virginia and then graduate school, University of Georgia. Okay. Yeah. And, and that just got me thinking about the, uh, the environment, um, not just the green part of our environment, right? Not just our rivers and creeks and, and trees, but also the architecture. How do we plan our cities? Um, why why the, the way we plan our cities and the way we, um, the way we work within these cities actually affects us. Like it, we, can, we can plan a city in a way that um, makes us wanna go outside. Um, we, can, we can have trees that um, you know, make us feel better. They, not just from a health standpoint, but from a social standpoint. I mean, if we've got greener cities, people want to spend more time outside, and that's healthier for us. So all that mixed around, and I was working for the Georgia Conservancy. Um, I had just come over An from... An environmental advocacy group? Yeah, absolutely. So I had started out in Baton Rouge working for the uh, City Parish Planning Commission, which is about as far from an environmental organization as one can get. Uh, but boy, did I learn a lot. Great place, <laughs> great place to have a tailgate party. Oh, yeah. And some of the best people that I have ever met in the city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I loved it. Um, but again, about as far from an environmental uh, organization as you can get. And I learned all kind of interesting things about all the shifty ways that things can happen within local government. So that was also very useful. But uh, I came here in Columbus to work for the Georgia Conservancy, again, nonprofit environmental organization, and I was doing watershed planning, which is basically community planning from an environmental standpoint, which if if the Chattahoochee River is a watershed. Exactly. The Flint River is a watershed. It's a watershed. And so this was a planning program that looked at the whole watershed from LaGrange down to West Point Lake. Um, and from an, like, uh, for an environmentalist, that's great. But for your average person, that's really hard to explain and even harder to implement. Somebody might want to go fishing in Mulberry Creek, but they don't want 
to really know the ins and outs of how it infects the water watershed. Right? Exactly, and you don't want to know. You don't want to know what your neighbor's septic tank is doing. And I mean, there's a there's a lot that goes on. Um, and so I was dealing with this really complicated planning project, and uh, I was working in the Spencer Environmental Center, which I don't know how many of the folks listening know about that, but it's a building in Uptown Columbus that was rehabilitated by Kyle Spencer just to host environmental organizations. And Annabellum Home. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, so I was there with the Georgia Conservancy, and same building as Trees Columbus, and that's how I learned about the organization and um, just really enjoyed the folks involved with it and enjoyed the um, board members that I was able to interact with. So when an opportunity came up at Trees Columbus, I thought, yes, please, even though I didn't think I'd be in Columbus more than six months. I and, jumped at and it. And what, what's the time? How long have you been here now? Oh, I was hired in March of 2007. Wow, so you're going on 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, we left out we left out one name on the uh I-185 quarter. Ken Henson was Ken, also Ken right. was also a incredible because one thing people don't realize is these fights may not start in the General Assembly, but they Mm-mm. certainly end up in They the, end up there. They end up in the General Assembly. So you and I may be talking about trees, but trees can also be an incredibly politically charged uh they I mean what was the story? The guy somebody was blaming trees for everything one time. I can't remember the story now. I'm gonna screw it up so I'm not gonna do it. But but trees why are trees so politically sensitive? Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. So at the at the General Assembly, Chuck and I, that's actually where you and I really yeah, I, met and started even working together was way back in 07, 08, 09 through twenty ten. Yeah. Which is when there was a big controversy um, about legalizing the cutting of public trees for viewing billboards. And um, you were against that. <laughs> clearly, we were against that. Um, and Columbus very quickly got a reputation at the General Assembly for being people who were uh, they uh, well, tree crazy was was one word, and there were a lot of you know less polite words. But we were a community that was going to defend our trees because we had public investment in our trees. We had private investment in our trees, millions of dollars of private funds spent to plant these trees. And so we thought having them cut down for viewing a sign that was on private property wasn't a good thing. Um, And after many years, we were able to to protect that locally. There were lawmakers in North Georgia and Atlanta that did did not agree with you at all. They did not even want to see me coming or anybody from Columbus. Um, it It was very interesting, very interesting. Um, but we were able to, we dug our heels in and were able to protect our trees locally, statewide, not so much. We lost that battle, but here in Columbus, they're still I mean, protected. And that's what people don't realize. If Columbus had not stood up and fought and people from Columbus, that blanket statewide ordinance would have ended up covering Columbus. But we essentially got exempted for it for no good yes. reason. I mean, they can write it. We got exempted for very good reason, <laughs> for very, <Chuck>. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> 
And the lawmaker uh, in North Georgia might say for now. And again, you know, this is here's where uh, people like Ken Henson come in. So, you know, they were at the last minute these rules passing. Well, your trees are only protected if you do X, Y, and Z. So we've got one group up at the Capitol lobbying, while at the same time, just in case, we've got a group locally trying to do X, Y, and Z so that if the worst does happen, our trees are still protected. And and so, you know, having that brain power and the willingness of people to dedicate their professional time and expertise to that issue was huge. Well, I mean, we were talking about Milton Jones, and Milton mm-hmm. spent a uh, number of years in the General Assembly in the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s, 60s, mostly 60s. And Milton uh, worked for President, for Governor Carter, and he went on the Board of Regents, but he never went back into the, the Capitol until he went up there to lobby for Trees Columbus. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? I said, you have not been back in this building since you walked out as a as working for the government. He said, yep. He said, I wasn't going to be one of those guys that hung around. I said, this is that important to you to come back up here and lobby? And he said it was. He, I mean, he said, clearly, I want some of these old guys that I still know to know that, th- that this billboard bill is meaningful to me. Yeah, I got a little choked up when you brought that up again because I was there when he went and he sat. And it was it was not easy, but let's see, Debbie Buckner. Um, Who has been of, a very strong environmental supporter. Yes, yes. Um, oh, there was our local delegation that managed to get him down on the floor to his old seat. Um, I didn't, that, know, that, I didn't yeah, know that part that of was, it. That was, a really, that was a really special moment. Tree, um, tree huggers like Milton – are special for a lot of reasons because, you know, you don't realize it, but he has a lot of resources. I mean, he has a lot of institutional knowledge that helps people like you and I that, you know, me as a journalist, but certainly you as, as somebody who's fighting the fight in the trenches. I mean, he has that knowledge. He also has an incredible amount of integrity and he's very thoughtful because um, it is so easy to get passionate about an issue to the point where um, you kind of lose that thoughtful element. And and that's when sometimes you might end up not making as much progress on an issue as you should. Because um, many environmentalists passion. are passionate mm-hmm. and also there's not a lot of gray area. It's black and white. That can be true. And that, yes. I'm not trying to paint all of y'all with the same brush. I mean, mm-hmm. I know journalists that sure. don't deal well in the gray area. They're black and white. What, you know, when you look around, I mean, look at J.R. Allen. That's another example here in town of somewhere that's got trees. It's got great, the intersections are planted with magnolias and, you know, things. That's important, right? I mean, you go down past, but you got a strip mall where, you know, I think that's where I realized the power of your organization was when a developer who owned a building cut down some trees so the building could be seen and a sign was put on the back. That didn't end well for the developer that did that at all. But your organization, in some places you'd have gotten by with that. Why don't mm-hmm. you get by with that in Columbus? I think um, Trees Columbus has had a long partnership with the Columbus Consolidated Government. Um, There's been long support for planting and beautification projects from the 
private community. And so there's just a, there's a long history of communication, cooperation. Um, you know, in, in that case, we had uh, mayor and council members who were informed quickly. Um, you know, again, while there's passion to make sure that this, this cutting was stopped and the issue was resolved, we were also able as a group to kind of be thoughtful about how it's done, making sure we're, that all of the ordinances were followed, um, and, you know, letting that law, letting that, that violation play out. Um, that violation court. ended up in a fine replanning, and the sign yes. never went up. Right. Yes. Is that accurate? That's accurate. That, that doesn't accurate. happen everywhere. No, no, it doesn't. And again, we had a mayor and council who were very supportive of that. I mean, that was that was a uh, violation of a state law, and actually on the other side of the fence, a local ordinance. So, I want to talk a little bit about the survey, and we we've got about ten minutes. I want to really talk about what you're doing, and then we're going to bring in Bob Jeswal to finish out. Bob <laughs> Bob got so mad at me today when he found out you were going to be my guest. He was planning to have you, and he found out on the air tonight at six o'clock or at five o'clock. And he's like, "You got Dorothy," and I said, "Tell you what, Bob. Bob knows you well. Y'all have a little different relationship than you and I do. But we're going to bring Bob in and see what happens to the last hour of the show. We may get canceled. Now. Uh, we might get canceled. I know. I, I didn't realize that I was that anticipated. I would have prepped. I you know I would have had some jokes or something. Right, right. You, do you have any jokes? I have no jokes. <laughs> no jokes. No jokes. But you do have a precious daughter <laughs> and Lucy May. I do. Um, let, let, let's talk about this survey. Trees Columbus in the city are now asking people to fill out a survey about the use of Lake Bottom Park. The survey has been on has been online for a week. It'll go for another week till the 13th, I believe. Is That's it? right. Um, tell me a little bit about where they can go do it and how it's important for people, why it's important for people to do this. Okay. Um, let me try if I can, let me see if I can give you the, the short, long history. About five years ago, Trees Columbus launched a partnership effort with the city to look at tree canopy at Lake Bottom Park. So that's what we did first. We came up with this app that would allow us to look at trees, figure out their condition, um, let the city know which trees need work, uh, which trees might need to come down, where there might be some planting opportunities. How many trees are there in Lake Bottom Park? Well, there are, you know, see, I should have done my homework, Chuck. Um, I'm going to say 1,100. Okay. We surveyed 1,100 in that initial study. Um, so what we realized quickly is that um, – there's a, obviously, there's a lot of tree work that needs to be done. I mean, you can look at that tree canopy and see that it's not healthy. It's aging, it's declining, limbs are dropping, trees are falling, the park is full of stumps. So anybody can, can look and see that. But then when we got to thinking about planting, the question became, where do we plant? Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I can tell you what the trees that are there need, um, and I can tell you what trees might be the right species to put in the park, but until we know what else needs to happen in that park, it's not time to plant the trees yet. So we had 
There needs to be a plan. There's got to be a plan, right? And sometimes, for all the things that, that we do really well in this community, um, sometimes we like to just sort of race forward and do things without a plan. Um, so we're, we are not going to do that here in Lake Bottom Park. Um, there are a lot of fabulous things that are on the horizon. There are folks who have ideas about the tennis courts, people who have ideas about the football field and the track. We know that the Dragonfly Trail is going to be connecting to Lake Bottom Park. Um, that we know that the Chattahoochee River Conservancy and the Columbus Waterworks want to work on some stream bank restoration, but we can do such a better job and we can come up with a project that is so much more sustainable long-term if we coordinate and we have a plan and we know who's doing what, we know what the community wants done first, we know what the community does or doesn't want done at all, because even though all these organizations have fabulous missions that apply to the park, the park belongs to the people. The park belongs to the people taxpayers, of Columbus. The taxpayers exactly. own that park. Taxpayers it's own my park that and your park. park. That's right. It's not Trees Columbus's park. Um, it belongs to the people of Columbus. And so Holly Browder with the Department of uh, Parks and Recreation has been a fabulous partner. Um, and she said, you know, y'all raise money to do a plan and get back to me. So, so this whole process that started about five years ago, we finally raised the money. Um, we have the money to do this plan. First step in the plan is we ask folks in Columbus, what is it that you want to see in this park? Does the park meet your needs? Uh, what do you think it needs? What do you think it doesn't need? And so, um, this, that's where we are. At you rolled that right out now. last Tuesday. We rolled it out last Tuesday. And how many people have <laughs> responded to the online survey? Okay. First, I will tell you, we rolled it out Tuesday. And um, Wednesday morning, I was going for a cup of coffee, and I had an email from one of our park consultants who's running the survey. And she said, oh, my gosh, we have 817 survey responses in less than 24 hours, which was phenomenal. Right now, we're, um, well... I'm not sure where we are right now because we haven't checked since this morning. As of this morning around 8 o'clock, we were just over 1,500 responses, 1,500. To, to put that into perspective, these same consultants that are doing this for you did the same thing in Roswell. That's right. Metro Atlanta City, got to be a lot of tree huggers up there, and they had 350 total. 350. So their goal to be able to... Their, their goal for, you know, what's our minimum number of surveys we could use in Columbus that we could extrapolate information from to make recommendations was 200, 250. So now you're... <laughs> so we've got great data. This is data. This <laughs> yes. is a data dump that yes. has got to be... Because some of the questions, I took it today before I did, I did a story. Oh, good. Go to WRBL.com. Uh, you can see two stories that I did on... The, the how this survey is going and then you got another week to do it treescolumbus.org .org that's right .org treescolumbus.org boom you can spell trees in columbus you're there and just remember it's org and then you can turn around and it, they'll link you to it there's also a story on wrbl.com mm -hmm. that has a mm -hmm. link to it as well a story that I did today so you know it's really kind of interesting as I took it because some of the questions, I mean, there's, the, there was a photo piece of it that I thought yes. was really interesting. Do you want it to look like this or this? Do you want this area to look, do you want this area? 
this area to look like this. It was really interesting to see some of that and see the way that the, the survey, not all, and I say this, not all surveys are the same. And sometimes yeah. you feel like, okay, they threw this together. Somebody is punching a punching a box. I did this. This actually felt like you actually cared about what I thought. Yes. Great. Because we do, because we need to know what people think and what people want. Because what I know, I know trees and I know connecting people with trees, but I, it's interesting because the longer I work, the, the more, and this is, I think probably you would say this too, Chuck, like the older we get, the more we know what we don't know. Um, and, and old. What you don't know is can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's the worst part. And so um, we did a lot of research, too. There's an organization up in Atlanta called Park Pride, and they've been doing this for 30 years. Pride. P- Park Pride. And what they do is they um, basically do kind of what we're, we're trying to do with this survey. They want Their goals are to increase the number of parks, increase the um, health of community parks, increase people's access to parks. So what they do is they work with local communities around Atlanta um, to get their input about their public parks. So they're basically facilitating communities making positive changes in their parks. Um, they're even going so far as working with the city watershed division to build new parks. But first they ask the community, what do you want? What do you need from a park space? Because we'd love to assume that people want this or that or the other, but we don't know until we ask. And the lesson from Park Pride and everybody else who's done this kind of work has said, you have to ask what people want and what they need because you might think you know, but you don't know. And that's the cool part about this survey. It really, I mean, I'm telling you right now, people, go take the survey. Do it tonight before you go to bed. It'll take you less than 10 minutes. It's worth it. It'll get you think. If you even use Lake Bottom once a month, if you don't use Lake Bottom, but your grandkids use Lake Bottom, do this, do this survey because Lake Bottom is everything. Lake Bottom really is that special place that's all things to all people in yes. our community. It's the most diverse. I was out there for three hours today. It's the most diverse place in our community. It's black and white, rich and poor. Yes. It's young and old. It's everything in Columbus is on that 1.5-mile figure eight. It's unbelievable the parts of Columbus. There's people playing tennis. I got out and shot hoops with the basketball guys today. Oh, good. I got Had video. they done I, the survey? Uh, they were going to. I, two okay. of them said they were going to do it. So we're, Excellent. So we're good. Last question before we bring Bob in here. Um, if I had told you last Tuesday at that news conference where you announced it, hey, there's a, you're going to have one weekend, you're going to have 15, 1,600 responses. You may get 2,500 to 3,000. What would you have said that was telling you about the city of Columbus and Lake Bottom Park? Uh, well, first, I would have been ecstatic. Um, I had hoped that this survey would confirm that people feel very strongly about the parks, but that was just a hope. And so um, it's just so 
encouraging to know that not only uh, do we have so many people who are interested in the parks, but they are hopeful about the parks. They're optimistic about the parks, and they feel like their voice is going to make a difference, um, and it will. And and I think um, I, prob- I probably shouldn't even say this because I might jinx it, but the hope is that this won't end when we do Lake Bottom Park, and we're also going to work in Theo McGee Park next to two very different parks. Theo McGee is on MLK. It's Martin on MLK. Next mm-hmm. to A.J. McClung YMCA. Yes, very different park, neighborhood park, very different amenities, so different approach there. But the hope is that this is uh, just the beginning of a process that we can take throughout Columbus because the Columbus community – uh, wants this connection to the parks. They value the parks. And if we do this right um, in Lake Bottom Park, we can start something that we can carry throughout the community. And And the key is going to be public-private partnership. There are pieces of this plan that the city can implement. There are going to be pieces of this plan that we are going to have to fundraise right. to implement. That's fine. We're in. Um but we've got to have the there's, plan. There's a history, and it, it, you're well on your way to getting a plan. We are. We and are. That, I'm very that, excited. That, ha, that will have the voice of the people. In exactly. It. Exactly. Okay, Dylan, can I bring Bob in now? Okay, Dylan has given me approval <laughs> to bring Bob Jeswal. Bob Jeswal, Chief Meteorologist, WRBL News 3, is joining us. I and can't believe I get Chuck and Bob. Oh, that's, you know, something, something's cooking. <laughs> something's cooking in the kitchen. That's what's happening. <laughs> there, there's a reason we're bringing uh, Jeswal okay. into, yes. into this podcast. Yeah. We got about, we're a little over halfway. Okay. But Bob and I, I got back from my live shot late bottom today. I walk in. And he's ready to throw a punch at me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tomatoes. Bob. He gave me heirloom tomatoes. I knew there was a catch. <laughs> there was a catch. I got them from Chris French, and they're unbelievable. They're, I can't they wait look delicious. Open. I can't wait to break them open. But uh, stream of conscious, stream of conscious, this is not going to go This well. is going to get so dangerous. <laughs> I know. All right. But, but okay. Bob, Bob was upset because he wanted you to be on his podcast tomorrow night, the Bob Jeswal Show. Didn't happen, so... I am the kind of colleague who shares sometimes. Sharing is caring. Yeah. Yes, it, thank you, Dorothy. It, it, okay. Bob, I'm going to let you ask Dorothy a question or two. Now. Oh, wow. Yes, good. But, any, I, you know, because I, I know good nature that way, and I knew that Chuck would have such a, a great way of bringing the, the harder edge to this uh, particular piece. It's very important. You know, the survey monkey came out, and I was right there with it, and people were really jumping on board with the uh, Lake Bottom Park stuff, so I thought that was interesting. Bob was the first person to share it. And I <clears> saw yeah, it. That I was love the first. It. Yep. I remember, if I say 19 to April – of 09, what would come to mind to you? See if you could do that one. 19 of April of 2009. I saw Bob Costas do this once, and I'll tell you, it didn't work well. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't work out well. Something related to something that happened to trees in this area. A tornado. Very good. Very good. There have been, there's there's the one in 07, too. Yes, I forgot. Yeah, it'll before that, too, 07. Yeah. Was 09 the one that took out Green Island and Brookstone? No, that was 07, that March was 1st, 07. But what happened was, in 09, that's the, the bowling alley in Phoenix City. That was the demise forever. The insurance oh. money paid off. They never rebuilt it, apparently. I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> they yeah. just, it never came back. It was a great bowling alley, I, by the way. I, I, 
If we say probably Phoenix, cover that. You yeah, cover that. Yeah. yeah. But you say Phoenix City. I mean, you remember, you and I remember weather yeah. events very different. I mean, yeah. you know, trees are a substantial part of weather events. Right. <laughs> they sure are. And if they're in better condition, you know, there you go. I mean, you, a tornado is a tornado. There's only so much you can do. But um, a lot of the storm damage that's happened in Lake Bottom, for example, um, aside from the microbursts and the tornado, I mean that's right. its own that's its own thing. But there are a lot of um, things that we can do just as far as general maintenance on these trees to keep them safer. So that's actually a, you know that's a good example of something that we can do in our parks moving moving forward. Yeah, I mean Department yeah. you know, Forestry does a great job. Gansauer and all those guys that work with you, Forestry and and of course Trees Columbus. Uh, the umbrella over facilitating all the great things and that that those trees came right down 13th 13th street came down and right into lake bottom park that's how i remember i was in the bahamas at a at a weather conference i was actually there for a hurricane really? conference when that happened yeah oh. but when i came back i was like wow and then harmony mendoza was uh working with us on staff then and she was kind of helping out that that night when that happened but here's something another you want another question or yeah it sounds wow. like jeopardy or something what Dylan, what should we charge Bob? So how much we charge him in here? Well, I, you know, we I, I w- was saying earlier when we started with the Air Quality Alliance at the Chattahoochee Valley, we even had a, a we came up with that. We even came up with the fall line trace, which now it went from rails to trails. Fall line trace named by a person we sat in a meeting. We were able to pick out all the people in the community who submitted, and we found the fall line trace. We thought since there was a fall line from Macon, Georgia, through here that the Norfolk Southern Road on, and then from there it went beyond, and then we went into. Um, uh, well, no, it was rails to trails, then following trace. Now it's dragonfly trails. Yeah. So, which is cool too. And, and you said something about trails. So in the middle of Lake bottom park, this is going to tell you, people don't understand this, but it is, it was designed in there because it is a, it does flood. I mean, we've seen it over the years. It will flood from where Cobra Creek, but it's designed that way for that reason. Right. Right. It was a lake, which is why it's Lake bottom park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, the, the creek does flood regularly. You know, Chuck, we saw those folks walking their dog um, along the creek because people love to walk their dogs along the creek. That's something that we'll probably hear about in the survey. So then we have to figure out, okay, how do we let people walk along this creek, um, but do that in a way that won't cause a lot of maintenance uh, for parks and recreation when the creek floods regularly? Like but I mean, we have a river walk. I mean, there's a history yeah. on how to oh, yeah. do that. There's I mean, there's a too. way. Absolutely. There's a way to do that, and the city's done it fairly well. I mean, yep. I love every time the river walk goes under, somebody goes, "It flooded again." That's it's what supposed it's supposed to, to do. <laughs> That's true. Designed you know, because of the the sewer line, they had it. No, they had to keep that sewer line covered. So that's why the you know the walk part is where it's at, right? Or all the, the river walk yeah. is is a service road for a sewer line. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I mean we, I mean as Billy Turner used to say, former head of the waterworks, you know, he said used to say, you know. We were dealt lemons. We had to do this combined sewer overflow. So they went ahead and made lemonade out of it and basically put the service road for the, for the sewer line yeah. essentially as a trail. That's, you know, and I guess that's a question I want to ask you. There you go. When you look at parks, Lake Bottom is contained. It's, it's, it's a hole in the heart of the city. The Riverwalk is a linear park. And you, you're 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 an avid cyclist and exercise mm-hmm. enthusiast. For somebody who likes trees and knows their value, what would you rather have, Lake Bottom or the linear park that is the Riverwalk? Both. You don't get both. I I'm taking both, Chuck. <laughs> okay. So well, and and you know which one's easier to maintain? 
So one, you're, t- well, no. Maintain I mean, the canopy. Yeah. Uh, probably the river walk. Easier to maintain canopy. But that's because of how it's planted today. Um, moving forward in Lake Bottom and in, in eventually, hopefully, in our other parks, um, we want to plant trees in a way that the trees are going to be healthier, but they will also be easier to maintain. So the here's what's hardest on a young tree, weed eaters and mowers, and people driving on and around the roots. And so right now, the way trees are planted, we've got weed eaters and lawnmowers, you know, going all around individual trees. It doesn't have to be that way. And that could actually save parks and rec time. Um, it could save them money. Um, we could establish some zones that don't require mowing at all. I mean, there are things we can change about how the trees are planted and maintained right now that would end up saving money and be healthier in the long run. So that's not the kind of glamorous thing that inspires people to want to fill out a survey, but um, that's what Trees Columbus can do you know, moving forward because we need more trees, we need healthier trees, we are losing our trees. Um, there's a section of the Riverwalk that's right by the Civic Center where those live oaks, the canopy has actually grown over the Riverwalk now. Um, and, you know, that took a lot of, that took a lot, of, it took a long time. But that's, that's where I see people stop and oh. take the picture. That's where they take the rest. It's those trees. It's the, tree. the, it's this psychological connection that we have. It's like the trees, I mean, obviously they do great things like produce oxygen. Um, they clean our air. They, you know, clean our water. They stabilize stabilize the the riverbank. But we just have a need as people to be outside. And trees and being out in green space lowers blood pressure. It lowers our, our stress levels. I mean, we physically respond to being outside. What's the last year and a half with COVID done to that? Oh, um, that, I think that is one reason why this survey has really taken off. Um, because people realized how valuable these spaces are over the past year. When we couldn't go anywhere in the early period of the COVID quarantine, Lake Bottom Park was packed because that was the place we could go to get out of our houses and feel safe and somewhat interact with other human beings. People were walking Broadway. Absolutely. all the way, All the way from Upper Broad to Lower Broad. Bikes were selling out at the bike shop, uh, you know, across the river because people realized how valuable it is to be outside. And and when the world felt like it was going crazy, we could do that and we felt better. It didn't feel like it was going crazy. It was going crazy. Yes. There's there, also that. There, there's no doubt. And so can I throw in an ecology nerd thing yeah. here, Chuck? Yeah. Real quick. Um, you know, Bob, you mentioned yeah. the fall line. Right. So... We're in such a cool spot in Georgia. I mean, we are on, we're here on the fall line. It's actually a, an eco-region of Georgia. So millions of years ago, we were beachfront property. And I, so, jokingly, yeah. tell, I jokingly tell people with, that are looking out at the rocks that aren't from around here, and I say, yeah, you see those rocks and you see that sandy soil when you're standing right there by the water tower at Eagle and Phoenix? So, yeah, I said, we used to be Key West. Yeah, there you go. I <laughs> mean, you can find. Alabama. You go down to yeah. Fort Mitchell, it's, it's sand. sand. You can find fossilized shells. <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah. but Finish your point, and okay. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. You, it, 
Hey, I mean, I've got Bob and Chuck. I'm, it's okay. Uh, this it's is the good. quietest I've ever been all day. Yeah, I know, Seriously, right? You know what? Are you okay, Bob? I don't know. I'm just, I'm so intrigued. I'm listening so so closely. Um, so we, we can grow things here <clears throat> right. that you don't see all over Georgia. Um, Standing Boy Trails up in uh, North Columbus. The Palmetto's there are gorgeous and you have this incredible mix of rocky terrain and and fabulous topography and hills and palmettos it, we can grow trees and other plants here that are unique to this the combinations are unique to this area um, that's something we should do in our parks that that we aren't doing yet but that'd be such an easy thing for us to implement well i mean a tree you see up on in pine mountain is a chestnut oak and there was one in front of my old house that we just sold in the historic district. There's a beautiful chestnut oak. It's one of the prettiest trees I've ever seen, except in the fall. I hated the tree because of the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh but uh, God, Sorry. I hated that tree. But, yeah. you know, the, diver- the tree diversity is pretty cool here because, I mean, even on the Riverwalk, and I know you're going to hate this, but there's bamboo down there behind the Civic Center. Oh, is ba- point, is yeah, bamboo a tree or a weed? It's somebody, a weed. Somebody, that got pushed down there. It wasn't meant to be there. Right. But, right. It right. got pushed. Yeah, it was some, somebody dragged it down on a barge once upon a time, probably. Or well, somebody threw it in there just to. It's behind the Civic Center because I used to go cut some of it for tomato poles. All right. Well, oh, that's, that's legit. Okay. Yeah. I used them. For, I used them for tomato steaks, and okay. they, were, they were great tomato steaks, and they were cheaper than the two ninety nine ones at uh, Home Depot. I see a lot of. Dish. Did you know that we have a federally endangered tree species in the historic district? I'm not going to tell you where, but the uh, the owner of the property knows it's there, is taking care of it. Um, but we've got. Um, Specialists come from Mississippi State. I think UT. What kind of tree is it? Uh, It is called a Florida terea or a terea taxifolia. And it is the largest remaining of its species. Really? So it's native to the bluffs along the Apalachicola River. So we don't know if it if they used to occur here naturally or if they were brought up on a riverboat just to be part of a landscape planting. That's another Mm -hmm. theory. Um, but for whatever reason, this tree has not succumbed to the same fungus that's gotten the ones down in Florida. So they're trying to grow it at the Biltmore. They're growing it at um, Atlanta Botanical Garden. So there is there is one remaining. They're trying to get DNA from this tree to figure out what is it about. The trees have this DNA? Mm-hmm. Fascinating, Ooh. huh? Yeah. Oh, man, that's unbelievable. I'll tell you. I think I know where the tree is, too. I, I should have started off with this. It would be much more entertaining than <laughs> Tree with DNA. Let me. I want to ask both of y'all a question, and and I've got my answer too. I'm gonna give it last. Uh, what's your favorite tree canopy in the city of Columbus? My answer is going to surprise you. Favorite tree canopy. It can be a place. It can be a neighborhood. It can be. It can be. It can be a, a very contained place if you want. If you want to do it that way. Well, that's a tough one, Chuck, because I have so many that I like. I think my favorite is going to be uh, the Broadway tree canopy. And and this is a tree nerd um, response to that. But those trees work harder than probably any other trees in Columbus. They take a whole lot of abuse. Um, I, I shouldn't say abuse. We love them to death. 
Uh, they literally work, they work very very hard, um, but just seeing people gathering under them, uh, whether it's for concerts or you know at the at the farmers market, they just um, that is a beautiful functioning tree canopy. What do you think, Bob? What's your answer? To this that? has been my day today. First, he steals my guest. Oh, did I steal and your you answer? And you stole my answer. It was okay. the reason why, I, and you know why I did because I don't know if you remember this, but several years ago, I got a couple awards from Trees Columbus, the Department of Forestry. But I had one one year beautiful painting by a local artist who actually did that tree, the tree that was out on a limb. That's there right. Was a, there was a campaign, climb. and that you do uh, on an annual event, and we do it in October. I think they used to be like in the early fall. Uh, Halloween time. I would say maybe not that late, but I think we did it one year. We did mm-hmm. it late, and then <clears throat> I, so that was one of my. Broad, I, I love Broadway because we do. I mean, all the events that go on with Uptown Columbus, and we usually kind of get under those trees. And, and whether it doesn't matter what time of year it is, it's just there's something about it. But I do. But I will say this: I do like Flat Rock Park. Oh yeah, trees. When you're going around the outer perimeter around the, uh, I saw it called the lake, but the detention area for the creek there. So it's 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 just a very nice. It's 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 just beautiful when you can walk on any of the trails and have that. I, I even I'll even go. Let me stretch a little farther north. Okay. Ready, Harris County. I'll go to Waverly Hall Park, the one mile, and those are great little canopy of trees. And I don't know, they they almost look like they're they're a type of, um, but they're not. What is it called? The they they grow like crazy. They're kind of a weed, but they're really not, and it can be like a tree. It's a uh, Oh my gosh! They flower. They flower too once a year. They look beautiful, but it's called. Uh, oh, I know what it is. I crepe know. myrtle. Crepe myrtle. That's it. It has like a bark of a crepe myrtle. I'm Bob, sorry. Is that that's you can tell my Yankee. It's our city tree. I know. I should know this. I should know that. But the crepe myrtle. No, but they look like the crepe myrtle. How did I just blow it? Well, I'm talking about Harris County. I'm not talking about Columbus. So the crepe myrtle of Harris County is about this. The girth of it's like this. Okay. It's not you your. I know what they are I know. before they be. I murdered. know that's right, and then they're smooth. That you know they have, some, but it's oh, not beautiful. Bark. But, but they yeah. are. But you know what I'm saying. But are those because you've helped up there? You guys have gone up there to to help. So are those crepe myrtles or are those something else? Because the leaves on them don't look like it, or is this the way they scaped it, the way they trimmed it? There is a barber across the street. I don't know if she had anything to do with it. But I'm not sure. I'll have to take a look. Bob. I, I think uh, they are. But okay, I'm gonna have to take a look to confirm. Love it. I yeah. Love it. I'm gonna surprise. I'm gonna surprise you with Dr. Chuck. Oh, good! I love the trees on Broadway. I mean, and I I have walked enough around them. I can tell you which ones are distressed and which aren't. But my favorite tree canopy in Columbus is Oakland Park. (gasps) Yeah, beautiful. And and, you know, and it's funny because Oakland Park is not somewhere. You know, it was a 1960s era. Vietnam era military neighborhood and those trees I mean literally they sold the houses on Saturday morning from a card table and built them I mean it was I mean this was when the the air cab was striking up and people had to have a place to live and that in Oakland Park that gridded neighborhood it just became this military haven but those trees that were planted in the 60s and some of them are distressed. Some have been cut, and obviously, you know that happens. But I love just riding through there down Walker Street, which is a very in street, or going down and just. I used to ride on my bike a lot, um, and look at the tree canopy because those trees are really impressive. And that, I mean, and you know, it makes you feel like you're in a special place. 
And it was yeah. a special place, and it still is for some people. I mean, I'm not diminishing the neighborhood at all, but, you know, the history of that neighborhood is special. But, you know, back in the 60s, those people that were moving in, those developers that were building those houses, did a pretty good job of building a tree canopy that we enjoy today over there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, as you pointed out, that canopy – at this point is is getting older and needs maintenance and some of the you know sidewalks and things need maintenance but the the difference there is that um the developer did plant with canopy in mind and columbus like a lot of places um so my husband is a historian and so he subscribes to the let's give a shout out to matt Matt, good old matt that's right he uh, subscribes to these crazy things called magazines, and we still get a paper magazine. Uh, but we got <laughs> National Geographic, and, and the lead story in National Geographic is basically about tree equity and how American cities were built um, with inequitable distribution of tree canopy. And we're seeing a legacy of that when we've got wealthier, usually wealthier white neighborhoods of town have more tree canopy. Um, they are cooler. They have better air quality areas of town um, that tended to have more poor residents, they tended to have more minority residents, were not built with as much tree canopy. Uh, they are hotter. The air quality is, is um, less good. And so we have this exact same issue in Columbus. We have a tree equity issue too. One of the ways that we could address this moving forward is, is through parks, through the park pro- project, whether it's Um, improving existing parks, doing what the city of Atlanta is doing, which is building some smaller neighborhood watershed parks and putting tree canopy there because it's the city of Atlanta. Pocket parks. Yeah, pocket neighborhood parks. Um, But again, tree... Atlanta has the same tree equity issue too, and and that's one of the ways they're dealing with it is moving forward in partnership, using parks as ways to establish pockets of tree canopy in places that really desperately need it. Can I ask this question, Chuck? Go ahead, Bob. I, I'm just thinking, you know, when you're, sure. we're seeing, you know, the, the old Norfolk Southern. Fire away, Bob. Stuff, you know, when you're on, I feel like a train conductor. This is your world, Bob. Know, we're, just, a- <laughs> we're, just, we're just living in it, baby. I just, I just <laughs> love going on. I feel like I'm a conductor on a train when I'm going on to Norfolk Southern, that tree canopy. If you haven't had an opportunity to head over towards the Manchester uh, areas there across from where, uh, right around University and take it all the way back up. There's a canopy there, but it changes perspective of the whole city when you're going over it. Even over by CSU, when you're crossing the bridge, the old the rail trestle there. Here's my thing. Will it ever go beyond Salmon Road? What's the politics? And maybe you know the answer, Chuck. I'm sure you've done a story with Dorothy. When are we going to go past Salmon Road North and take it all the way into Harris County? Every time I drive up on 27 and I look at this in Hamilton, I'm like, it's so underutilized. I want to take it all the way up to Mountain Oak Mountain and points farther north where the where they used to bring the old rail trails that's up there good, that's a good I mean, question it's just beautiful yeah. you gotta get a podcast that's yeah. a good question yeah. but it's probably that's a, a question for becca you gotta bring becca back See, that's, to, yeah. talk, Could I bring, to talk maybe dragonfly. i should bring her tomorrow and i think becca would be a great guest for you because becca okay. and i did a very different that's what i'm trying to get a different angle i don't want to do the same yeah podcast. oh no no and yeah. you know we're, we're going to step on each other's toes but that's yeah. but that's i mean you know that's the beauty of these podcasts is we can bring we're this is my 16th episode, and I've learned something every week. I've done these. and Hopefully you know, there will be 
another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you will be. let Jess Wall come on your podcast. <laughs> Ratings <can>. just dipped. <laughs> you know, Crate Myrtle. Could you say Crate Myrtle? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. The house that we just left, that my wife Kathy and I just left, was the greatest tree house of all time because we had crate myrtles that were on the lot uh, just south of us with the most beautiful uh, Japanese magnolia that blooms in the yard just to the north of us. We had the chestnut oak on the city's property. I used to tell the mayor and Isaiah, you own this tree, not me. And when it has to come <laughs> down, this one's yours. But you know, And then we had a couple of oats behind us. I had all of this shade and all of this canopy, and I didn't own a single one of the trees. And, you know, that's one of the things. For property owners, trees can be expensive. I mean, Absolutely, yes. when you have to bring one down, and, you know, and for insurance purposes or whatever, or one's been damaged by a storm or one's just lived its life, I mean, you know, that's, you know, you're talking three, $4,000 if it's a big tree, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um we, when we were working on this canopy restoration project, one of the points was to try to use our, um, the work that we're doing on, on public trees, on city trees, to kind of help educate homeowners um, in tree care in their own yards, whether it's from what to look for if you think you might have a problem, to what, are, what is the maintenance you can do to improve the health of your tree, whether it's something as simple as mulching, whether you get more advanced and, you know, do things like root invigoration of a tree. Um, there are things you can do that will keep your trees healthier longer, and then they can give you benefits like the shade uh, that can help with your utility bills. I mean, there, there are a lot of ways. They uh, add to your, you know, as you've just pointed out, they add to your property value. But, but yes, tree maintenance is not is not cheap. Um, well, actually, I said, taking a tree down is not cheap. Some tree maintenance is cheap. It could be yeah. some mulch. Um, water. And pull it right, or water, or, you know, pulling the grass out from around it. So um, there are a lot of things we can do as, as homeowners that will help extend the life and health of a tree. So we can use what we're doing in the parks, too, as an example to uh, for people to, um, you know, implement in their own yard. And, you know, and I think that's critical i think that to, to you know if you take care of a tree it'll take care of you i mean i know that sounds philosophical and i'm not a philosophical kind of guy but you know you, you know trees require a certain amount of maintenance and they you do need, and, yes and love love let's say love rather than maintenance certain yeah. amount of love um, well, we have almost used an hour up. Bob has certainly helped us out. But I'm going to do something I do at the end of all of my podcasts. And I call it Turn the Tables. I've been asking you questions. I've even had Bob ask okay. you some questions. Have you got a question you want to ask me? And there, Some of these have been easy. Some of these have been very difficult. But is there something? Say, okay, I got Chuck on the spot. Might as well ask him this. Okay. So, Chuck. Let's say you uh, you're a board member of Trees Columbus, and you're. What are you going to say? This organization needs to do in the next five years. Say, I think Trees Columbus needs to do blank before what are we? Twenty twenty one before twenty twenty six. Protect the trees on Broadway up and down the road. I think that is the number one priority, and it should be. That's that's me. I mean. 
you know, Broadway, y'all talk about it being special. We all can walk Broadway and see the problems, whether it's a limb on the ground that came out or you can look up and say, holy cow. Or there's one tree on Broadway near a house that you and I both know well that has a sludge underneath it all the time. You know, that can't be healthy. Right. I mean, so I think the number one priority, I think a a financial emotional, all the, all the investment that y'all can muster needs to be, once you get the light bottom plan, I mean, the light bottom plan is spectacular. The parts plan, (laughs) Yeah. Those things are, I think those are going to take care of themselves and you, but what you're going to realize is that Broadway as downtown continues to develop, and develop is the right word. Mm-hmm. It is being developed. And you know as well as I do, maybe trees aren't in some people's plans as much as they should be when they're talking about that public space as Broadway median. Right. You right. know, those magnolia trees in front of countries are down there in front of the Marriott at ninth, I guess. Those trees are just as valuable, if not more so, than the oaks. There. That's my soapbox. Does that make sense? It does. I Did, like it. Do I get to ask Bob too, or just yeah? Go ahead and ask Bob. <laughs> oh, right, Bob, okay. what do you think? I same think, question. Yeah, this same question. I mean, I, I mean that makes complete sense. I think I'm going to not do the same thing with Chuck said in that, but but I think education. I think all the you know continue to bring back. And with COVID, it was hard to do a lot of um, events that would create more people together. But like out on a limb, but just doing the Arbor Day stuff and getting people more engaged. So it's not the people like preaching to the choir. Let's get people outside. I don't know how we can do more of an outreach that you guys can bring people beyond that scope so they can understand the value of this. What Chuck just said to to understand, you know, the importance of trees. You don't have to be a tree hugger or be qualified as one. The, The importance of it. There's so many different things to understand what trees do and the benefits for them. I learn more about from you coming out to our partners in education and how to plant a tree properly or all the Arbor Day events that we did over the many years. And then even you giving me a Japanese maple on time, it's a great conversation piece. So that gets people engaged when you're giving them these uh, saplings and things like that and teaching them when you plant it, there's something about the respect for a tree when you plant one yourself. So when you give that to us and you learn how to do it, you, you completely changes everything about that tree such as a Japanese maple. It's a talker. Yeah. Well, marijuana now is legal in this state, almost. Not quite, but in other states. Is marijuana a tree? <laughs> but it looks like a mar- Japanese maple. It looks like a marijuana leaf. Everybody ah, says this, this all the time. I told you, this is why you put me this, on the show. This is why you bring Jess this all the time. I know, but people Bob say, they go, they go, Bob, is that? And I said, no, it's not. It's a Japanese maple. Come on. Uh, but it's uh, a conversation piece, honestly. So thank you. Keep doing it, but do it more. I think any way to get outreach of people involved... Yeah. I know that takes a lot. You use us as a media to get it out there, but you just can't get enough education so you can, which would be get more people championing for you to say That's this right. is important on Broadway or Lake Bottom, get that survey out so everybody can understand. Like you said, you can't measure the people. I, I kind of overheard your conversation beginning, but it makes sense. How do you measure how many people use it and what they use or what they do? So you see a, a worn piece of you know, uh, property out there in the center part of Lake Bottom. Well, obviously a lot of people like cutting through. So maybe it's a, trail there or something but you know it's it's a education go for education as much as you can get more people out there 
That makes a lot of sense. Well, we're pretty close to the end of this thing. And one thing I want to say is I was playing, as Bob was talking, playing my answer to your question back in my head. And I really did sound like a tree hugger. And, you know, to play <laughs> off of the, star, the start of this. It's okay. And, you know, to me, I think what you're finding out with this survey of Lake Bottom Park is you talk about quiet – You Today, you use the term, there are a lot of quiet users of this park. I think there are a lot of quiet lovers of trees that are sort of, you're starting to see that come out. And I think what you do is incredibly important. It's a valuable part of this community. And I can't believe you do it as a part-timer. I mean, that's I know, the, part-time. Yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's the amazing part. Well, our guest has been Dorothy McDaniel. Dorothy is the Executive Director of Trees Columbus and Dorothy I just want to thank you, and I want to thank Bob. I mean, oh, thank you. my, bro- my brother here thank jumped you. in, thank and I think we've got to figure out some tag team podcasts we can yeah, do. I think. Do. Yeah, I think I'm it glad work. I could be the guinea pig. That's <laughs> good. Oh, but you're, yeah. you're a good one. We always love, I love seeing her facial expressions. You'll know exactly where Dorothy's coming from. She'll uh, never she, hide. Dorothy is not a good poker player. I terrible. No, I would be a terrible poker player. Uh, go ahead. Just um, real quick before before we sign off, one of the things that both of your answers kind of made me think about is that um, to go to go back to the tree hugger, we we're we're tree huggers because of our connection as people to trees, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. it's about the trees, but it's not about the trees. Trees Columbus is about the trees, but but really we're about the people because the people love the trees, they love the spaces, they love the green places. And so, um, Bob, to your point, we got to connect the people to the trees. We've got to make sure that that these green spaces are meeting the needs of the people because we plant trees to have trees, but we plant trees for people. Um, and I think that's the most import- important part of the whole tree hugger thing is that you know yeah. the tree the trees are hugging us back. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we we're doing this um, we're doing this for Columbus. We're doing this for the people who not just for the people who support. Trees Columbus, but for the the people who want and need these healthy green spaces. So, thank you for your time. That's a perfect way to end it. You got to sit still and let me close it out. But I want to thank Dorothy McDaniel for being our guest. I want to thank my brother Bob Jeswall for stepping in and helping me take this thing home the last half hour. We're now at the part I want to thank Dylan Hansen. Dylan's been our director. He directs Bob's podcast and just about everyone. Dylan it, Dylan is an all-star. He directed the new. Were you the news director tonight on the 6? Uh, yeah, I, I was directing the 6. So yeah. he did the 6 o'clock show and then came in here and deal, dealt with control chaos. So he's he he's He's doing great, and we we love having him around. Um, yeah, he's my he's my buddy. Um, okay, this is the part where I'm gonna have to look back and see what I need to do. But okay, first of all, you can see the Chuck Williams Show every Tuesday night from seven to eight here on WRBL.com. And Dylan, are we getting close to the Spotify? Okay, yeah. Okay, so we Bob and I've been pushing for gosh this. as of right now. Um, so I'll have the money by the end of the week. And so hopefully by next week, we'll be on Spotify or the week after that. That's the goal. Um, We've robbed a bank to get the money. We did rob a bank. Right. We robbed a bank. Um, one of the Sonovas locations. We need a group tree hug for this yeah. one. Tree <laughs> hug, please. This is, yeah. we're, we're fundraising too. But right I think, now. I don't want to, I don't want to like give like too good of an answer. But, so I'm going to say two weeks for Spotify. Hopefully if 
two months for Apple. I'm not sure. It could be sooner. I don't know. Um, and then hopefully Audible, Audible will also be about two weeks or so. Oh. Spotify needs to be And just Spotify's to set the records first, yeah. right. I'm kidding. We did not rob a bank. I want to make sure. Everybody yeah, knows you that. You better be careful with that. Uh, we okay. actually, we robbed our sales department. That's what we did. <laughs> okay, great. Well, that that is huge news because we will have a 17. Bob and I both will have 16, 17 library show, shows libraried and ready to go when they roll out. And I think people will listen to them. I mean, Bob's done some great ones. Okay. Also, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Chuck Williams. Think about that. How many Chuck Williamses there are in the world? And I'm at Chuck Williams. No numbers, no nothing. You can get me on Twitter, and I do a lot of tweeting about this, that, and nothing and something. Okay. You can also get me on uh, Facebook at Chuck Williams, WRBL. And you also can get me on Instagram at Chuck Williams 0999. I can't see the screen, so I did that all by memory. <laughs> Again, folks, we want to thank you for listening to the Chuck Williams Show with special guest Bob Jeswall, special appearance, Bob Jeswall, and with special guest Dorothy McDaniel. Remember, folks, as you deal with people out there in the next week, be kind because you do not know what's in their suitcase right now. There are a lot of people going through a lot of things as we come out out of the last year and a half of COVID. Be kind. That's the best thing you can do. Thanks again for listening to the Chuck Williams Show. We'll be back next week. We might.